Hi, welcome to another episode of the Jaguar Podcast. I'm Victor. As you always know, on this podcast, we talk about the lived experiences of Nigerians in the diaspora. And today's episode is a special episode because I have not just one guest, but two people. And I'm going to let them introduce themselves. So. <laughs> okay, hi, I'm Dolly. Um, I am a podcaster as well. Um, I'm a co-host of the Road to 30 podcast and I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for having me, Victor. Thank you very much for coming. All right. Hi, um, I'm Isaac, co-host of the Road to 30 podcast. Mm-hmm. It's good to be here. Thank you for having me, Victor. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much, Isaac. I mean, thanks to the both of, thanks to the both of you for agreeing to do this because I think I mentioned to you, Dolly, Road to 30 is one of my favorite podcasts and I've been listening for at least one year. I think I started listening mm. last year. Yeah. I listened for the first time in 2020, but I didn't keep up. And then I listened again last year and I went back to listen to some of the previous episodes and uh, I've been listening ever since. So oh, thank you so much. Thank you for supporting us. My pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to. <laughs> so, I mean, let's just jump right into it. Yeah. So, first of sure. all, what have you guys been up to? Man, well, well, we've been, we've continued to podcast, as you might have heard on, you know, our, uh, on our latest episodes, I'll be our episodes of read, um, currently unemployed, um, stuff is up like, <laughs> I mean, currently recently unemployed. So just been trying to just take some time to just rest a little um, get some clarity on what is next moving forward. And yeah, just handling some of the other things that I've already been doing, um, you know, like uh, on the side, I've still been doing my teaching in, in church. Whenever, I, you know, we, we take it, uh, I'll be easy. How do I put it now? Well, there's a roster. So still doing that. Um, um, what else am I doing? We'll continue to do the podcast, yeah. uh, my movie club, my fun addiction free group. So yeah. still doing those. I'm just trying to and applying and seeing what's out there. That's pretty much it for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, think, I do a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, well, they try now. How else? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest, I've not been doing much. I've been sleeping and waking up. Mm-hmm. And I've been trying to structure my YouTube channel. Mm-hmm podcasting as usual oh yeah and i've been in the gym i have also been doing a little bit of job application but i have like an event coming up at the park yeah so i've been planning that and that is about it and what kind of park now what is this oh yeah 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 so i i manage an amusement park Mm -hmm. yeah so we have like the muslim holiday coming up so i've been planning the events that we have Mm Trying to find MCs, DJs, you know, yeah. people that wear my, um, what do you call them, mascots and all those kind of things. It's not been easy. Doing business in Nigeria is not easy, but it's been keeping me. Sure you don't want to wear one of them. No, I don't. <laughs> I, I do not. I've seen not. a thread of like mascots that like, you know, just go off and start dancing uh, or doing dance. Like yes, I saw that thread too on Twitter. <laughs> I love it. Nigeria, Nigeria is so hot to be wearing that, man. So I, I guess. Aha, are you doing, Victor? Are you happy? I, I mean, 
So I've been working on my thesis, trying to manage that and my student job. Okay. And it's been interesting, stressful mm-hmm. most of the time. I mean, okay, I last yes, I actually traveled for a two, um for a work event, which is mm-hmm. why when you said you were free Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I didn't say anything about Wednesday because yeah. I was I traveled on Tuesday for a work event and I came back yesterday evening tired. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. today I'm back to doing job applications because my contract is ending soon for my student job and I have to finish my thesis and it's yeah. been a lot. Yeah, um, what job are you doing? So I work in a marketing, in a sales and marketing team for yeah, sure. a company in the healthcare industry. Okay. 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 No, not bad. Not, not bad. bad at all. So do you plan to like remain in like Germany like for like the long term? First of all, I think it's interesting that you're asking more of the question right now. Oh <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah, let's let's. I think I could answer that at least for a while. Yeah. Yes, I plan mm-hmm. to. I think the end goal is at least to get PR before I think about if I'm moving or not. Okay, got it, got it. Okay, okay. okay. nice. The blog. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now to the um. So both both of you had lived in the UK. So first of all, how did that journey start? For each of you, at what point did you realize, okay, studying the UK was something that was going to happen? Mm. I think you want to answer first. Yeah, you go first. <laughs> that seems like a lifetime ago, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even, I, I don't know. It was a very long time ago. How did it start? For me, I am in SS, I think it's SS2. Mm-hmm. I realized that, you know, I didn't want to do university in Nigeria. So the conversation started then the the conversation then was do you want to go to canada or do you want to go to the uk i had been going to the uk on holiday a lot i had never been to canada and i thought it was too far so i just decided you know what let me go to the uk seemed a little bit more uh familiar at the time and so i ended up writing some exams for like um colleges and then, you know, the normal thing, even if your parents know that you're going to go, they will still want you to, like, do your best in YEC and all that. Mm-hmm. So I, I had one eye on the UK, but I still had to do, like, YEC and NECO and pretty much every exam, JAMB and all that. Mm-hmm. So it was quite a rough process. But then I ended up, you know, I found a college in Wales that was quite good. It was very much out of my comfort zone, but... You know, I still chose it because as a Nigerian, everything that you hear is UK, UK. <laughs> so that was how I ended up in the UK. Okay. Um, for me, like when I was like, I mean, through school, secondary school, because that was also like when I when I had left the UK as well after secondary school, and I feel like in my household at least, there was already like an understanding for a while that. I was going to, or all of us, me and my siblings, that were going to school abroad. It was never, it was never like a conversation as to whether it would be Nigeria. It was just an understanding that we would school abroad. For me personally, I always wanted to go to the US. Um, it was something that I have been talking about for maybe from maybe the beginning of even secondary school. And so my mom was was cool with the idea. I mean, my dad seemed like he was fine with it. Um, so the my my eye was on the US for the longest of time because I had also gone on like vacation to the UK 
I had gone on vacation to the US as well, but more so the UK. And I wasn't very sure if I really liked the UK like that. Um, at the time, I felt like I loved the US more. I just loved the openness, the space. You know, I always watched American movies as well. So I was just like very enamored with like the US lifestyle. And that was kind of like what I wanted. But when I got to SS3, suddenly it was almost like my dad just started to change his mind. You know, <laughs> very weird and looky annoying, you know, because we have been talking about this for years. And now all of a sudden, you're like, you don't want me to go to the US, you don't want me to go to the US. No particular reason at all that he didn't give. Um, now, um, we had already, me as well, I had written all the exams. I wrote YAGAM, NECO, TOEFL, SATs, okay. IGCS, all of them. <laughs> as long as they were there, I had written them, you know, just to be prepared. And so my dad kind of like gave us the option. I was like, eh, okay. You can either go to Ghana or you go to the UK. And my mom was just like, well, we'll go to the UK. So that was like kind of like how I ended up, you know, going to the UK. We did all the uh, whatever. And then we found a school in England um, in a small town called Market Harbour. And yeah, that was where I, I that, that was where my journey in the UK started. That's why I did my A-levels and then moving on. Interesting. You know, I've actually noticed that I was going to ask you guys questions about um when you became aware of your traveling. But it's interesting that Isaac mentioned that he was oh, one that started thinking about it. And in your yeah. own case, Dolly, it was something everybody in the family knew. So because yeah. what, what I wanted to ask it is it's not very unusual for Nigerian parents to make all the decisions. You're yeah. just like doing whatever they wanted to do, just like in your case, Dolly, where you were planning to go to the US all of a sudden, mm-hmm. your options were just limited. Yeah, it was between Ghana and the UK. Yes, sorry, UK. And I imagine that would have felt very different for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like I wasn't very, very excited. I I, I really, really wanted to go to the US. So it was annoying. But I mean, having the option of the UK was still cool because it was just like almost abroad, shy is abroad. So. So, I mean, it's cool. If it's the UK, then fine. So, like, well, I, I was okay with it, at least just to see, like, how it would be. And since I'd already kind of, like, had been there on vacation before, it was just like, okay, well, I mean, it's a little familiar. So, I had no issue with it. All right. So, now that you mentioned vacation again, I think that's least the next question I was going to ask, which is, as you also mentioned, you have traveled a few times. So I'm wondering, I mean, traveling is nice and you see these places, but I imagine that it's a different feeling when you now have to live there. So the question here is, how what did you what's like stood out for you in terms of the experience now living in a country, even though you've been to that country? I know it's been a long time, but I mean, I think you could remember one or two things that were very significant at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, me, man, I loved living in the UK. I can't even lie to you. Like, I, 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 I was happy that I finally went there because you know I always wanted to go to the US, and I wasn't really happy initially when that was taken away from me. But I ended up really enjoying the UK. One of the things that I loved about the UK was just the ease of things, like the um transport system was nice mm-hmm. healthcare system nice like 
then there was constant lights, mm. nice internet, like mm. just I don't know, it was just a nice experience. Like, and I ended up because one of the things that I didn't like when I went on vacations before was it always felt like the UK was tight, like just because you see the houses, they, they look like just so close together, it just seems tight. And then in comparison to the US that I had visited, that is just like space, like the US is so open, like it's space everywhere. And so to me, in comparison, the UK just seemed like too tight. And it just felt to me that I would feel also closed in. But I actually kind of enjoyed having that, you know, um, I, I, won't, I, won't, I didn't look at it as tightness so much anymore because it just felt like, you know, it just felt like it was just easy to move around. Like it's not like, for example, I was in a, and I was in a relationship when I was in the when I was in uni, and my boyfriend at the time lived in Coventry. I was in Buckingham, and you know, if I wanted to see him, it wasn't like something that I have to like overthink about. You could just yeah, you just hop on a train. Yeah, just hop on a train, and then you go. And so being that access, like just being able to move around easily, was nice. I mean, of course, there are some places that are farther than others, but. You know, it's not like you have to take a plane or nothing. It's just still something that you can still, you know, maneuver. You can still take like a train still and stuff like that. So I love the ease of living in the UK. Living in the UK was just nice to me. I loved it. Loved it. How about, How about you, Isaac? Um, I think for me, the main thing was the fresh air. Mm-hmm. So air is something that means a lot to me when I leave Nigeria. Um, but I really enjoyed the transportation system. I, I like traveling, so it was really good. It was easy to travel. Mm. I think I enjoyed the freedom of being able to live in apartments that were nice. Mm. Light was good, so that was something. Super fast internet. Mm-hmm. But mainly mainly just the freedom of living in a society that actually works and functions to an extent. Mm. Right? Because you don't know how you don't know how mad you're living as a Nigerian until you live somewhere <laughs> else. Yeah, so sure. it was it was really good to live in a place that worked. Um, you know, you can wake up and hop on a train and you're in a different city, no stress as long as you can afford it. Mm-hmm. I used to joke that I could like pause a game on PS4 and go out and travel for the weekend and come back. And if it doesn't go off, you continue where you start. <laughs> so so it, it, it's it's those things, right? It's the yeah. thing like leaving your house and not thinking about a power bank, right? Because you know that. You know, by the time you get back, there will be light. But then um, there was also something else I really liked is the, I don't know what it is, but the quality of the lighting everywhere in the UK was good. So pictures always came out nice, mm. right? I don't know how to explain it, but it's almost like your camera gets better once you enter the UK. Okay. I, I, I think, I think this, that's a proven fact. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Low-key, I have a conspiracy theory about that, that legit cameras are designed to be better outside Africa. Mm, but, but I don't know, I can't prove that yet. <laughs> but it's just, it's it's little things like that, you know, and then as a Nigerian as well, I found that it was easier to get visas by virtue of living in the UK, mm. right? So everything was just hassle-free. And yeah. then e-commerce too, you just order something and it's at your door. Well, oh, I love there that. was actually a description of your address, you know, you're not calling somebody to say besides the feeling special, oppositely. It's just, <laughs> it's just those little things. Use Google Maps. Exactly. Or call me when you reach the school that is painted blue, like all those <laughs> kind of things. 
I worked at Kunga before. I think that was my oh. first job in Lagos. Okay. And half the time when customers called mm-hmm. to complain about delayed order, it's mostly problems with the delivery people. Mm. Mm. They told me they were coming since morning and it's 6 p.m. now. I didn't see them. Mm. I've been mm. calling. They weren't taking my calls. Yeah. And it's here. I think when I order things, I've never had any reason to call customer. Okay. The only time I remember reaching out to customer service was when I got the wrong size. Yeah. And the thing is, I was one that was the size and there was no hassle. They were like, okay, that's fine. Just send it back. Mm. Yeah, that is like very, it's just that that is the little things, like things that make your life easier. Like you don't have to like over worry, you don't have to like overthink, you know. And even if something gets missing or there's a problem, you can easily reach out to customer service and they actually care to help take care of your your situation. I'm more here, customer service is in the mode. Like, the whole country. So, yeah. 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 And I think you guys mentioned light issue. Do you know what I travel? I actually went with my power bank. But I've, never had, I've, not, I've never used it. But okay, I think um, the reason because I already knew that the past system would be different. And I wasn't yeah. sure how fastly I'm going, I was going to get a charger. So I thought, yeah. go to the power bank, charge it, and then however, whatever happens. And I yeah. think it was helpful for the first week because it took me about a week before I was able to fully, fully settle in and start thinking, okay, where can I get charger? Mm-hmm. But after yeah. then, I've never had any use for it. And something yeah. funny happened when I was in Austria. Mm. I woke, I was sleep. I, I think, I, I don't think, I, I think, how did, what, what happened again? I think I slept, it was at night. I slept mm-hmm. off and I woke up that morning. It was around six thereabout. It was raining. Mm-hmm. You know, the first night I thought, charge your phone the speed with which i jumped off i opened up my phone it was when i finally got up and plugged the phone i was like well you don't have to worry about this yeah i just had to, i even unplugged the phone back and went back to bed because I, it was raining i didn't have anything so i was thinking about sleeping but when i remember thinking about and rushing off even yeah. the sleeper was thinking about going back to it. Yeah. I lost it. It was very <laughs> annoying. Oh, I feel you. But yeah, like I said, it's little things, really. It's the little things. Really yeah. little things. The things you're not really thinking about constantly. Yeah. You know, when I was in the UK, was when I had gotten, like, my brother gave me his PS3 to use because he got his PS4. And I remember, like, when I was doing my master's, because I was doing my master's, he gave it to me. And throughout that year, I tell you, I don't think I ever put that PS3 off. It was constantly on, like, all the time. I used it to watch Netflix. I used it to play games. I used it to do everything. So recently, when my boyfriend gave me um PS4, like, and I had to remember that, oh, light is not like, <laughs> like, so now, yeah. I can't put it on, like, as it was. I have to yeah. always make sure it goes on before I get, what's that thing they call, is it the screen of death? Yeah. And I, that was something I never had to worry, worry about. Yeah. So now I even play it as much as I would like to, because I'm always just thinking in my mind, like, what if light goes off? Like, goes even off, though yeah. I kind of have, like, constant light in my estates, but still, like, the light, you know, Nepal, they would take it off to quickly put yeah, on that's And that can be so... I've had the experience where I'm playing the game and then the thing just... And I'll just be like, oh my God, I hope it's fine when it comes... Mm-hmm. When it comes on. Yeah, so like, yeah, those are one of those things that like, you know, has... has um. How do I put it now? It's, it's things like that a, make... 
the experience much better so to say yeah absolutely absolutely yeah all right quick one isaac i think you you did an mba in i think it was lagos business school i know you mentioned this invest but i don't think i remember now but was it uni lag no it wasn't you don't mind him it's lagos business school absolutely right yeah yeah, so I was going to ask, basically, being that you also, I think you did a, a, a master, at least a bachelor and master's in the UK, basically like a comparison from your experience, having mm-hmm. studied in Nigeria and then in the UK and then coming back to Nigeria to study. Mm-hmm. Um, so like a comparison, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would like to you, I think the education system in the UK is unrivaled to be fair mm. right it's it's 100 percent up there but not so much because of what they teach you but how they teach you mm. i think i spent more time at uni like it was more my first master's was more like we would have classes for three hours right and so because one class was three hours we'll probably have just two classes a day sometimes just four classes or six in a week but the bulk of the time you spend at the library Right. Or you spend talking to your lecturers, trying to find out what you're doing and all that. So that system was there to really build you up as an individual. So nobody will stress you and say, come to class all the time. But then if you miss a certain number of classes, you get an email. Right. So it was down to you as an individual to manage everything. But as a system, you could tell that the people there were there to actually take care of you. Yeah. So it was yeah. like, um, if there's any issue, you know, you have like the healthcare, the support systems and all that. Um, so that was good in that sense. In the Nigerian sense, at LBS, it wasn't too far off. In fairness, LBS had international standard. Mm-hmm. But the subtle differences came not necessarily in what was taught, but it was more like the people, right? You cannot remove Nigeria from... The, like you can't remove a Nigerian from Nigeria or something. Like Nigerian, the Nigerianness, <laughs> the Nigerian spirit and behavior. <laughs> yeah, because it's like there were subtle things. Like for instance, in the UK, if my lecturer said something, I could challenge the lecturer, and then we'll go back and forth. Mm. Right. So bringing that mentality to Nigeria, you could see that it was relatively, it was new for people. Right. The lecturers that I was with, they found that okay, but most of my colleagues were not really on that sort of vibe. I got this vibe of, oh, it's the lecturer that has spoken. So, you know, we take it like that, that kind of thing. Yeah. Again, um, the quality of teaching was really good. The other things were just more like, you know, the basic, basic Nigerianness, really, like trying to work as a group was very difficult sometimes because everybody has their own definition of what good is. But then, you know, if you try to hold yourself to a certain standard, sometimes it might not come off that way to everybody. True. Um, but in terms of quality of education, yeah, the UK is miles ahead. But then the quality of education at LBS was also really good. I think it was the best business school at the time in Africa, or one of the top five shares. So it was really good. Um, it's repeatable. The, yes. Sorry? I said LBS is repeatable. Yes, it is. So it is apparently. And then, you know, you you have a good earning potential when you leave. And then the networking was also really good. But I think because of the kind of course I studied and the time. So, you know, when I was in the UK, my first master's was like purely engineering. So it wasn't big on networking. It was more like theoretical stuff. 
Yeah. But Coldplay is an NBA and I'm a lot older and in quotes more mature, apparently. Um, you know, there was a lot more to learn and there was a lot more to give because I had like experience and all that. So they were sort of masters in two different places, but the things we can compare on like education and you know, quality of classmates and all that. The UK is better, but LBS wasn't far off. Yeah, I think I think that makes sense. And you mentioned something about not being able to challenge your lecturers. I mean, I did my BSc in Nigeria. Of yeah. course, you you quickly learn that once a lecturer says something, even if you think, even if you have very um proof that whatever the lecturer said is false, the best thing to do is basically keep quiet. And then well, just, sorry, let me just make a clarification. It's not like you couldn't challenge at LBS, you can. It's just like the people who I was schooling with, I got the sense that they couldn't, if you get what I mean. Like, okay, yeah, I understand that, but yeah, yeah, I think it's a bit of an indoctrination because yes, once yes, you learn definitely. that if you challenge the authority, it seems like you are being rude, it seems like yeah. you are. You are, you are trying to show that you know too much, things like that. So yeah, yeah. Things, because to be fair, to back in uni, there were lecturers you could say, I think this is not the right thing. And they are li- willing to listen to you. I had those lecturers at least. Yeah. But that sentiment that you, it's just something you shouldn't do. So yeah. you just quickly learn to work with that, with every system. Basically keep quiet, keep sweets, most like, most just keep sweets, whatever it is. So if at least in my experience, I find that even if I wanted to give a different opinion, I would keep quiet. And mm. if an exam happens, I'm going to just have to write whatever the lecturer says. Even if I think <laughs> it is rubbish, just have mm. to give it to them. Keep your thoughts to share with your friends if you must mm. share it, I think. But here, I think here in Germany, and also did a program in Austria, I think the classes are more conversational. Mm. So it's like someone mm. comes to class and they are telling you something and they expect you to say something if you have anything to say. Mm, mm, and nobody's trying to force you into thinking something has to be a certain way, which I I think is very, it's liberating, so to say. Yeah. Mm. Because it doesn't come, you don't feel like you have to conform and you also kind of put, challenges you to learn more because I think they will say you don't know and you just have to top up on the knowledge. But of course, in like, in Nigeria, from my experience, it's just the fact that you just have to write the exams and mm. pass it. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. That was my experience in um, what do you call it in the UK as well. Just being able to, I think first of all, the, the teachers in my school, for example, like when we first started, they would say, "Oh," and this was like right from A levels. So you have to remember A levels and like what I get there right when I'm like fifteen. Yeah. Yeah, and your teachers are saying, "Oh, call me." David or yeah, call me uh, Vicky, you know, and you're yeah, calling them, calling them. I mean, you had maybe a very familiar that are older that will say, "Call me Miss this," yeah. but just the the is it uh, being able to approach, yeah, it was like in that yeah. manner, and also seeing that like calling them by their names does not necessarily mean disrespect, mm. like because there are teachers that would not. Talk. I had a lecturer in, in my uni, Rog. Oh my, oh my gosh. Rog. Roger was amazing. He was an amazing lecturer. So you can't even like just misbehave anyhow. But you could still like talk to him. You could have a beer with him. There was something that was really like nice about that. Yeah, mm. I like that. Very human. Mm-hmm. I still struggle with calling people by their first name, though. 
<laughs> I mean, it, it's, I understand. It's natural. Yeah, I feel like also like you know because like you've done your your uni, you've got you're now doing your masters and stuff like that. But I think like when you are starting from like what 15, 16, 17 yeah, it's, you it's don't kind of like just yeah, it's well back in Nigeria. Uh, I mean, I just call everybody miss this, miss that, miss this. <laughs> yeah, I just uh, before they will start saying you're insulting them. So that's why I just I do that when I'm here now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's talk about jobs and getting jobs basically in the UK. Mm. At that point, how was it? How was the experience? And because, I mean, you hear from Nigeria that once you get to the UK, the US, Canada, the jobs are lying there waiting for you. Mm. From my experience, that has not been the case anyway. <laughs> I'm just, I just want to know what it felt like for you guys back in mm. those days. Um, no, why do I say back in those days? It's not like it's been so long, <laughs> No, but in fairness, it was yeah. back in those back days. Back in those days. Um, Things but, have changed now. Yeah, this was at least five, six years ago. So yeah. A while ago. Um, For me, yes. So this is the one thing that I wasn't particularly happy about in the UK. Um, One of the things that made me feel like, ah, maybe it would have been nice to go to the US. Things might have been easier in that, in that way. Um, but yeah, it was very hard to get a job in the UK. And it wasn't for lack of trying. I mean, I got like, you know, part-time jobs I was doing while I was in uni. But when it was time for the full-time job, especially at that time, when we didn't have like a lot of time to, you know, like now in the UK, for example, you get like two years to study. Yeah. Right? Um, in in the UK, I believe you can try and say you get two years for study, but then when when I was still like when I had just finished like from school, we didn't have that. So you only had like a couple of months. I had like about a year because I had, had an accident in my master's year. And so I was still kind of like recovering, doing like physiotherapy and and kind of like dealing with lawyers and stuff like that. So I, I got a chance to be able to stay in the UK for about a year almost a year after study so during that time I was applying I was doing everything I was like I mean I have a master's it should not be I should be able to get something I was able to see some jobs but a lot of the jobs that I saw they were not the problem was that they were no sponsoring um visa and that was like the main issue. And so, yeah, I had a huge challenge with that. And of course, after just trying and trying and trying and trying, and it wasn't really working, we're just like, oh, it's just, one can, you cannot force it now. You have to come back. So I know that for a lot of people, people that I know that studied in the UK, I even had a friend that even with, she, she went for a master's, like she went to do like another master's, I think, um, after like she had schooled in the UK, came back, then went again, like you know, for like another master's, and she got the two years for study. And even with that, it wasn't easy. She couldn't mm-hmm. still she couldn't still get anything. But I know a few people that have been very lucky. For example, my sister was extremely lucky. If I, I can't even call it luck, luck safe, I would just say that she was just blessed because she even got her job before she finished from from school and i don't mean like oh she was working there doing part-time job and i mean she had applied they hadn't even seen her results they gave her the job and said we'll wait for you to finish which was so crazy i would never heard of anything like that and so some a few people a few people have that kind of luck but 
for a lot, I know that it's not particularly easy. I think it's easier in Canada, easier in the US <laughs> to be able to get a job and stay after than it is in the UK. Mm. How about you, Isaac? Um, so unfortunately, when we got to the UK was when they stopped the initial two years for study, which they then resumed the year after we left the UK. And I find it hard for anybody to convince me that I wasn't personally targeted <laughs> because the the timing was crazy. So um, I, I they were doing post studies up until 2012 January, mm-hmm. then they resumed again 2019 January, which is what most people are enjoying now. Mm-hmm. And for like the entire period I was there, they just did not give us, which was quite painful. But regardless, though, I did get some jobs. I did work throughout. So because I like um I had like a lifestyle I wanted to live. And you know, when your parents reach the point where they're like, you're getting older, you need to work, right? And you want a lifestyle, like it's to drive you. So unlike most people that be like, oh, I want to work and learn and all that. While I was in the UK, I just wanted to work to be able to live the lifestyle I wanted. And it was really good because while I was at um, Manchester, I was working with Samsung, like you know, the um the retail side, mm, right? Yeah. So that was a really, really good job for me. And I was working full time because I know you're limited to 20 hours. I know that, but you know. Hmm. Yeah. As you, yeah, so, okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was no, well, even if they did catch me, I was paying taxes. So it was fine. And when I when anytime I got my pay slip, I saw that I was being taxed. So nobody disturbed me. Um, hmm. so it was really good. The in fact, the payment was really good, the job itself was really good. Before that, and I used to, even during the job, I would meet a lot of people who would like give you tips and stuff like that or buy you lunch and things like that. So it was really good at the time. I never really had any issues getting a job because I wasn't really hanging out with Nigerians per se. So I was hanging around with more like, you know, black British people, Nigerians, but second second generation Nigerians. Mm -hmm. So it was more like they were able to, you know, help me with like CVs or help me push for the retail jobs and whatever. So I was able to get those. I started working at uni actually as a student ambassador. Mm -hmm. From there, I moved into Clarks from there, you know. So I just always had something doing during the summer. But then the main problem was um, when I did finish my master's, I was interviewing with, um, what's the name of that company now? I can't remember the name. It's um, British Sugar. Mm. So I had gotten to like, I think it was the final stage of the offer. But then I got an email from the HR, like they can't give me the offer because they have to wait for the entire recruitment to be done before they can officially give me an offer. Mm-hmm. But that was going to the, then the whole recruitment thing ended after my visa had expired. It's like expired. so it was like, oh, we're so sorry, we won't be able to then sponsor your tier four right now because we've seen other people who we don't have to sponsor. Mm-hmm. So it's something I still right. hold, I still hold very dearly because it pissed me off. Because mm-hmm. it was like a two-week gap of them saying, Okay, yeah, we want you, but you're just going to have to wait till we close off the recruitment and then. Later, it's like, oh, yeah, we have, we did want to give you, but now we can't because of. So, That's yeah, ridiculous. that was my job experience in the yeah. UK. But to be fair, unlike Dolly, I found maybe because of the cities I was in, mm-hmm. I yeah. found that it was relatively easier to get like jobs. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe because of the cost of study. Um, mm. Not necessarily because I didn't really do anything in 
particular that was related to my course of study during uni was after. But mm -hmm. yeah, I do get what you mean. It might be. It might be. You found jobs that like were willing to. I mean, apart from this British sugar, we're finding jobs that we need to sponsor. On um no, it was only British sugar that. Yes, yeah, so that's what I mean. Like when I said it wasn't easy because like I mean, yeah, yeah. everybody was just yeah. yeah. It yeah. was mainly them that I said for because um I had a friend mm -hmm. who was in recruitment, so she wrote up my CV for me. Nice. And then we nice. you know did the process together, the whole you know, write an essay, blah 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 blah. So she really helped me push through the process, and it was at the final stage that it was because of visa. Okay. So okay. we just that must have been it was devastating. Right. So I think the next question I was going to, I mean, for me too, because my studies end in August. Yeah. Hmm. And my oh, next month, yeah, my current contract, my current um permits would expire in December. However, oh. I think I have 18 months to be able to look for a job. Oh, oh nice. nice. But there nice. is a problem for you to be able to get that 18 months, you also have to prove show proof of fund. And okay. the amount is about 15k euros from the information I have. That's Which you have to put in the bank, at least show that you have in your account. So basically, not like the easiest of things to do. And just like you mentioned, getting a job is not like the easiest thing. It's not. It's a full-time job. Mm -hmm. It's a full-time job. I started applying for full-time jobs actually in April. Mm. Now, I've done over 100. I, I think I checked my... Because I I said to keep record of what I'm doing. I think I, have, you know, <laughs> I, I do that too. I do that too. <laughs> this is the first time I'm doing that. I was found this one when people did. I was I was like, let me just see how far I could go. And yeah. I've done about 150 applications. I've done like three or four interviews, but mm. at least there's nothing yet. So it's mm. and of course for me it's also where there's that, that concern because I think from listening to your podcast, I remember you mentioned moving back, and I'm like, I want imagine how it must have felt. Knowing yeah. that you were planning to stay longer, but you just could not, and not because you would, you don't want, not because you weren't trying. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, like absolutely, like I, for me, when I was in, when I was in the UK, and you know, I really got like into like living in the UK. I always said, Omong, they will have to drag me back to Nigeria, kicking and screaming, <laughs> like I am not. Going because I just loved living there and I got used to being there because I was there for about six years. I got used to being there. And so I think when I had finished and I was just like applying and it wasn't working out, at first it hurt, it kind of did. But around that time, that was kind of like when I was, you know, getting really, really getting into being like a Christian and, and stuff like that. And so I started to like have these like acceptance in me that maybe there is something for me in Nigeria that I can't see at the moment because I have tried, you know, I can't say that I have not tried. I can't say I have not tried to look for jobs. I, even with the accident, I was even thinking that, okay, now that I have like about all this time to be able to stay back, maybe something will come. Yeah. Came up. So it wasn't for lack of trying. It wasn't for lack of anything. And since it wasn't working out for me, I was just like, man, maybe there, there are some things that, you know, I can do in Nigeria. I was hopeful. I mean, of course, no job I've gotten here would have been like how it have been in the UK. But, mm -hmm. well, I mean, it's not like there hasn't been some great things that have happened in my life since I got back. So, um, all, all is well that ends well. That's how they say it. Yeah. 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 How about you now, coming back? Um, to be honest, 
Um, so the kind of person I am, right? I'm very, what's that word? I'm like water. Whichever state I'm in, I'll quickly adapt. Mm -hmm. So when I came back, it was really interesting. So I say this story all the time. I came back as soon as I landed in Nigeria. The next day I was in Kano because I was going mm -hmm. to do NYSA in Katsina. Yeah. So it was a very interesting time. And this is, I hadn't been to Nigeria in like six years. That was such yeah. a huge transition. It was, it, like, was a wild, it was a wild couple of days. Like, sick as you're in camp. Not at all. It's so crazy. Like it was a wild couple of days. Mm -hmm. But when I did come back, I think because of, it couldn't have been worse than coming back and going straight to Katsina. So it couldn't have been worse, to be honest. It, it really did help to reorient my mind because I realized that like it's like going from grace to grass, more or less. Mm. And it was really, it was a time for me to just reflect and see that, you know, what well, life is not really a straight path, mm -hmm. right? So I was just able to settle down and see. I, I, I was just able to formulate a plan, basically. And luckily, my parents were very supportive. Yeah. So it was relatively easy to adjust back That's into the yeah. yeah, because you know, like a lot of a lot of the major changes I got were just like weather, right? So it was like the shock of weather. But then also having to build up a social network from start again because most people I knew were no longer here. And yeah. like I mentioned earlier, I wasn't really talking to Nigerians anymore because I was really thinking that, you know, I was going to You're start here to stay. Yeah, that was my mindset. I was here to stay. All my friends were building stuff. So coming back and having to be like making friends at that age again, it wasn't the easiest of things to do. Um, but I think I was able to adapt to it. You know, from Katsina, I ended up in Ibadan and then from Ibadan came back to Lagos full time and I've been here since. It hasn't been too bad. Some things I've been able to start by virtue of being here, you know, like the podcast. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know. I think it's I'll I'll say overall I've been able to adapt. If if I was going to rate it out of 10, I'll rate it seven. So it's not bad. Yeah, I mean, I think you you both have actually ad adapted running a podcast about um the life during one's twenties, and I think I think in that genre that could actually be the most. I, I wouldn't know. If, I don't have the statistics, but I think that could also be the leading podcast in that genre. Oh. I don't think any other person is doing something similar, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> someone who listens to your podcast sometimes it's it's like you know when you're going through a phase. Mm -hmm. And your friends are going through, but sometimes it's just you think, oh, it's just my friends. And obviously, you're listening yeah. to two strangers you've never met at all, and they can relate to it. There's this peace of mind that comes with it. Mm -hmm. And then there's also this, I don't know, I really I think I don't know how to put them in words, but listening to podcasts have helped me navigate my life. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily guiding me in terms of choice, but just the idea of knowing yeah. that I'm not alone. I think there's a calmness, there's this comfort that comes with the fact that okay this mm. thing you are going through is not just you yeah mm. yeah it Thank makes it so less painful it makes it less challenging and then listening yeah. to some of your, um some of people that write into the podcast one of the friends i introduced to the podcast told me he has been he's written to the podcast a few times and i would mm. feel like okay, first of all if he, if he listens to this episode i think we're going to talk about it i was like first of all i've listened i've not heard anything that sounded like my friend. But also my <laughs> question, in terms of, for my friend writing to a podcast, mm -hmm. they're not comfortable talking about some of these things, but it's also like, but away from that, it's also the fact that they're part of a community and it makes sense for them. 
I mean, that's really what we wanted to be able to that, yeah, exactly. do with the pod. Just let everybody know that oh, wow. we are, we are not alone. It's all of us. It is all of us. And even for us, being able to like talk about our experiences week by week, it has also been helpful to us, you know, to hear what others are experiencing, what others are going through. It helps us as well very much. And there are things that we've learned from our listeners, you know, that we're incorporating in our lives. And, you know, we always hope that like, there are things that people can learn from us and the mistakes we've made and and you know just how we're navigating through life as well so knowing that there's a whole community of people that are with us it also helps us it makes things easier for us as well yeah. so thank you so much for that thank you it means a lot yeah so i mean okay i was going to ask based on the things that happened i don't know is there something you think you could have done differently i mean i, I imagine you've reflected on all the time mm-hmm. is there something you think you could have done differently in terms of the job search in terms of maybe maybe applying for pr to canada at the time so of coming back to nigeria i just like what do you think you could have just done differently to based on what you've done leading from the time you came back to nigeria okay um in fairness right I, I i do have a lot i could have done differently for starters i would say like during my nyc i should have just gone to canada straight like immediately after i should have probably started processing a pr or school or something and gotten out of nigeria that's one thing i think i should have done mm-hmm. um another thing i think i could have done was while i was in the uk i could have um been more aggressive for jobs Mm. right i think i was a little bit um i was a little bit lax about it so i think i could have been a little bit more aggressive i could have pushed more i think i could have also saved more too to show that i could afford to like live there and like you know hustle my way around before like a full job came Mm. but um that's those are some i think another thing is when i did come back also i think if I hadn't gone to Canada or whatever, I could have gone back for maybe a, se- a second master's. The moment I found out that you could stay for, the moment they brought back the post studies. Yeah. Yeah, I could have done that because at that time, it was the country hadn't gone that bad yet. The exchange rate was still relatively decent. Mm. And it could have just been a case of coming home for one year to do NYSC and then going back. So yeah. I think those are some those are some things I could have done differently. But, you know, life is not so much shoulda, coulda, woulda. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's where you are. So yeah. yeah. Um, me, well, just, first of all, just in living in the UK, I wish I traveled more. I feel like that's something that I missed out on. You've said some podcast before. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I really wish, I really wish that I, I, I traveled more. I feel like I was so... I was just going through a lot of things mentally in my mind. And I think I was always just so concerned about, like, I would think about it. And then I would be like, oh, oh, I can use that money. I just do some other things, blah, blah, blah. But I realized that, like, that was probably the best time to be able to just, um, you know, travel and visit some places and mm. things like that. So that's one thing that I feel like I really, really, really missed out on and I wish I did differently. Um, and then in terms of like the job search, I feel like I should have started looking for jobs yeah, yeah. like 
from when I started my masters. Like mm. the moment I started my masters, yeah. I should have looked for jobs. I think I should have networked a bit more Bam. because I feel like in networking with some companies, because there was only one company that I had spoken to, to to one guy about, and I feel like if I had spent more time talking to that guy, speaking to him, maybe I would have been able to get a job at that company at the time. So I feel like that's something that I should have done because you just assume that, oh, it will just come easy after, but nah, that's not the way it works. So I really wish that I spent that time, you know, just, you know, doing my master's, just like really, really networking with people, um, looking for jobs from that moment and things like that. So that's something I missed out on. And coming back to Nige, I mean, at this point, um, I, maybe I could have done a PhD, maybe, <laughs> but I know the reason why, because I'd always wanted to, it wasn't that I was on my mind, not always, but I would also that I like get paid, I like get paid. But to be very honest, my master's took so much out of me. Like it took so much out of me that I could not just imagine learning at that point, you understand? So it's not, I, I don't, I don't like feel like there's any regrets there. I feel like at that particular point, I really felt mentally and everything just, I was just exhausted. Yeah. So I, I didn't think that I could even put my mind to both. It maybe if I had done it, things would have been different. Maybe I could at least get God give to remain or something. Mm. But other than that, in coming back tonight, I already knew that in coming back tonight, I should just forget about any further traveling to study or whatever. My parents, I feel like, especially my mom, don't with that. Like, I think to even convince her would have been very, 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 very hard. Been difficult. It would have been very difficult because yeah. they had already gone into, you know, so. I don't think that I could have done anything else in that regard. And yeah, like, I feel like in combat, I mean, I don't have any, so far, I don't think I have much regrets. Um, I feel like, you know, okay, I think I mentioned before that I always, like, maybe if I went to the US, getting jobs might have been easier, but I always think to myself that if I go to the US, I won't have the life I have now. True. You know, I won't have the friends that I have. I won't have the you know, I won't have met my 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 boo. Okay. <laughs> I have, Isaac and I would not have been able to do the road to 30. You know, just a lot of stuff would have gone very differently. I mean, in, the life might not have been bad, but it would have just been very different. It's a very different life, yeah. Yeah, having a different life. And I think I'm 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 mm. I'm happy with the life that I have now. So um and then yeah, come back tonight, no much regrets. I mean, things have gone as they have gone. I can't I can't think of what I could have done differently at this point. You know, I mean, the mistake that I've made is you learn from it, you continue yeah. to carry on, move on. And I've just always, I think because I came back tonight with just this mindset of like, God is directing me, God is leading me, everything will be fine. And so my mind has just always been on like, God is leading me, God is directing me, I'm right where I'm supposed to be, that kind of thing. I mean, every now and again, you have these thoughts like, oh, more. She, you know, can you go? I have people telling me sometimes, I ah, wouldn't you go abroad? Wouldn't you go abroad? I'm like, well, if that's the direction that God takes me, it will happen. But if not, like, I'm not, I'm not complaining. I'm not going to like force anything. You yeah, I was actually going to ask if you plans to move back. I mean, I think I've mentioned it before. I think. Yeah. How about you? Is that is that something you're considering at all? Um, I mean, especially with because of how I, you know, lost my job recently. It's not something, the option is not off the table. I'll just put it like that. It's not off the table. Um, I'm not like super, oh my God, I want to leave. I want to leave. I'm, it's not like super heavy on my mind. 
but it is not off the table. So if a good opportunity presented itself, I will take it. Yeah. I will take it, yeah. Okay. How about you, Isaac? Can you talk more about your plans? Do you, what, have you started making plans? I know you've said you want to. Oh, it's not like I want to, I have to. Two different, <laughs> different things. I can't, I I don't think I can do my best here. Mm. Right? And yeah. it's just like, I, I understand the whole being positive and being optimistic, but the reality is given the cards I've been dealt in life, I don't think I can make the best of myself here. Right? For context, like you look at any potential as a Nigerian, Right. And you have to start being realistic with yourself. So to answer your question simply, have I started making plans? Yeah, I have actually. I have a long term plan. Might be two years from now. It's heavily dependent on the podcast, really. Mm. But I'm trying to put things in place so that even if I am not here, it can still work. So I do have plans to leave. I have to leave this country. Maybe I can come back in my 40s. I don't know. But um, the thing is, I, I can't remember, somebody tweeted recently about, like, don't give your best years to patriotism, you know? There's no reward in it. So mm-hmm. I, I, I think that given the quality of life I was able to live during uni, right, I don't think I've been able to live anything close to that since I've been in Nigeria, mm-hmm. right? So relatively, social status might be better now, but when you look at what it can actually afford you, not much, so... I think I have to leave. I have me. Ma- I am making plans too, and I hope they come true. Actually, I hope they come true. I hope they do too. Oh. And I think you mentioned something about social status. When you're in Nigeria, at least I felt like my status was much better. Or rather, it's much better than what I have here. Mm-hmm. But it's also, I think, I'd rather choose this life. And the interesting thing is, I've never thought <laughs> about up until I left the country. I always thought. Even when I when when I was in university, was when I knew I was going to do my master's abroad. But mm. I also didn't discover it my family until one day my mom said it was going to happen. I'm like, mm. I thought I wasn't sure yet. It was like, God forbid, but whatever mm. you think, you are going to study abroad for your master's. Mm. Mm. I thought, okay, maybe I don't know. Eventually, I'm doing it. Now. So I also begin to realize. Very little things like we've mentioned earlier that makes all the difference. Mm, and yeah. you're applying for jobs, you're seeing jobs you never, you know, that cannot exist in Nigeria. And it's mm-hmm. not because Nigerians can't fill the rubble, because there is no need for it back home. So yeah. you're seeing the, the opportunities are available. Mm-hmm. And you're also seeing that even as a Nigerian, sometimes you don't exactly fit into these roles. And not because Maybe it's not because you don't have the ability, but it's going to take a lot to even convince someone that you are capable of doing those things. Mm. It's like, you also seen how your life could be easier in very little way. Access to be health insurance, for instance. I think someone tweeted, I saw a tweet recently, someone said he had had an accident and he was able to get treated, did all the surgeries, thanks to NHS. In Nigeria, I know there's an insurance policy somehow, but I don't even know who has access to them and how exactly it works. But yeah, yeah, I remember there's a a medication I had to get recently. When I saw the bill, I thought, oh my God, it was about two or three K um, euros. Wow. My insurance for the time I've been here is not up to that amount. Mm. However, I was able to still benefit mm-hmm. from it because I pay my health insurance. And yeah. these are small, small things that basically enrich your life. 
Yes. The way that you don't have in Nigeria. And yeah. it's sad because I wasn't thought maybe I would stay out of the country for a year and two and I'm, I run back. But I'm also mm-hmm. beginning to see that it's not the smartest of things to do. Yeah. Yeah. Because if I even go back to what do I go back to? I left my banking job to travel. So to get right. back a banking job, how do I even find that? And even if I do, at least I serve my friends in the bank. I was even on the phone with one of them. You are seeing people complain about, I mean, they still live comfortable life based on the Nigerian standards, so to say, but it's still very saddening to realize that you just wake up one day, the floor price has increased and you're paying like tax. Where you're your floor tank and yeah. Sorry? I have a question. Yeah. Um, Have you been sleeping comfortably since you moved out of Nigeria? Sleeping like, comfortably. Have you, like, have you been sleeping well? Have you, like, have you, has your mind been in a good place since you left? I, I think it depends on the time because one of the things I so realized is that I worry about things that happen in Nigeria just as much as I did back mm-hmm. when I was back home. Like, during the election period, up until the result was announced, I didn't sleep all comfortably because mm-hmm. I was wondering, worried. Right, right. When the whole, with the whole, um, this man's new presidency, I don't like calling his name, I'm sorry. Yeah, don't worry, I feel you. <laughs> with every policy that you hear of, I find myself also, because sometimes they are very, like the whole first subsidy, mm. you don't need to understand economics to understand that before a president does that, there should be some plans to cushion the effect. Mm. And then you also, because of how... In, Let's say incredible some of these policies are. You find yourself also researching these things to be sure maybe you're not the fool. Because why is there something like a hundred? Like, how do you expect to pull up the uh, what's it called, remove the subsidy and then have people struggling? And they wake up the next day, you hear that they are planning to increase the salary of elected officials. My son doesn't have money to finance the university. We don't have Sorry. money to pay for first subsidy. Sorry, and... Victor, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. You are about to take a very, very bad turn in terms of going into Nigeria. I don't want to give you stress. <laughs> right. What <laughs> yeah, what but... I was just what I was just trying to prove to you actually with the question was that when you're outside Nigeria, the only thing that still gives you problem is when you actually decide to care about Nigeria. Like yeah, I think you, that makes sense. You, what I was just trying to say, right, is the fact that you don't actually, no matter how bad the situation looks abroad, you still have like a sense of calmness that you can solve it. Yeah. 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 So because when you were talking about the 18K, for instance, you didn't sound as stressed as just now when you were talking about the Nigerian thing. Mm-hmm. So I those, get are, it. <laughs> those are the little things that make people leave this country right those yeah. little things yeah yeah that's the quality of life you can't measure the fact that no matter how stressed you are you know that if you go down the road right nobody is going to just jump out and stab you or nobody is going to ask you or beg you for money or something so yeah i think i think that makes sense and that was actually in terms of experiments that was a very <laughs> A very successful one, but I get <laughs> And I mean, one of the reasons I want to discuss this too, I think I mentioned it to Dolly, basically to talk about what it means like to return back mm. at home, because I know some people really want to go back home for whatever their reasons are, but also the fact that 
I wanted to like have a conversation about how it feels like maybe moving back home, just for maybe people who may be considering things like that. I don't even know the demography of my podcast. I, I mean, I don't know who is listening. The podcast is quite new. So I don't exactly know if anybody is thinking of moving back. But I just thought it's, if I'm going to be talking about the experience of people who live abroad, I think moving back is a big part of it, which is why I really wanted us to kind of talk about it. And from my perspective, listening to you people, do both talk about your experience. If anything, it has reaffirmed to me the need for me to actually try and stay longer. <laughs> Fair enough. I love you, honestly. I feel you. Yeah, it has reaffirmed that need for me. Uh, but also, I think it's also, like you said, life is not always a straight path. So I think it's yeah. also very interesting to see that the both of you have been able to build a life outside of that incident of moving back home. I hate that I said incident, but it looks like it's a very bad thing, but I mean, it depends on who is judging. Yeah, yeah. But I think being that you guys have been able to move back home and still build a life, because yeah. of how it must have felt for you both. And I think put us on that. Very yeah, cool. thank you. Thank it's you not so easy. much, Abby. It's not easy at all. So I think let's just quickly conclude. Um yeah. so based, based on your experiences now, I mean, if you're going to advise someone who is moving to the UK, like right now, mm-hmm. what advice would you give to them? Um well. My first advice to them would be to first of all hope that they are going with the right documentation mm. and with the right everything. That's number one. Mm. Number two, to not have like, I mean, you have high expectations on how your life would be, but not to have like, not to have like unrealistic expectations, like mm. expecting that oh things are now your life is going like you're going to be happy instantly it doesn't work like that i mean there are certain things that will make your life comfortable but you know it doesn't mean that like things are going to be like particularly like easy all the time um you have to like still make sure that like you're doing what you need to do if you're going for schooling and you have like time every hours allowance you can try and like use that time to like you know just get like a, a side job here and there um, I'll also say to surround yourself with people because isolation and loneliness is a very real thing. And like loneliness can kill. Like, so if you are going, let it be that if you ha- you spend some time with maybe people that you are already friendly with, and that's one of the good things about the UK that I love. The UK is filled with like so many Nigerians. Yeah. So many Nigerians. And I feel like that is super helpful in a way that a lot of people might not think because like I said, loneliness can be very terrible. So if you are if you have family members, try and at least spend some time with them. Or I also try and like get friends because so that you don't feel like so isolated. And then of course, like um, like I mentioned before, start looking if you're trying to stay long term, start looking for jobs early. Please do things the right way. Don't try and like skim the system. Don't try and like, you know, find technicalities or like, you know, find chance. Don't try and like do things in a roundabout way. It's just better to just do things like honestly because it just makes your life like easier and simple. Because these UK people, they are not playing, especially with this immigration P. Like they might be giving you that two years old, but 
like they really try to limit their immigration. I mean, they're talking about it recently, even. So they have they have their eye. Like I'll give you an example. When I stayed in the UK, I told you I mentioned that I stayed an extra year. So what mm-hmm. happened? I had my accident in November 2016. I got into that accident. Then um I was supposed to my visa was expiring March of 2017. But because I was doing like physiotherapy, I was also like dealing with lawyers. So I was trying to figure out. How was I going to be able to stay back in the UK to get all of these things sorted? And when I was looking, I found that they had this option of a medical type visa. So I had applied for it before my visa expired, of course. And so I was waiting for a response. But I didn't get a response to it. In fact, I didn't hear I didn't hear from them for a while. Like they kept on processing it for so long. Like I was there for a really, really long time. And I almost felt like maybe that was just their way of giving me the time to deal with what I needed to deal with because they didn't give me the visa, but my passport was with them. So I wasn't like doing anything illegal or whatever. So when it was now like time that, okay, um, I think we've sorted out the lawyers. I finished my physio, um, time to come back to Nigeria. I had to apply to them that, okay, don't worry, cancel my application, send me my passport. I'm ready to come back. And this is what they told me. So they sent me a letter. They went through the everything. They said, okay, um, they gave me a letter and said, when I get to the airports, I I should give the letter to the airport people, right? Mm-hmm. To enter, to get go through security first. Once I get through security, someone will come and give me my passport. So this was how careful they were, right? So I won't be like, I'll collect my passport and go oh, back yes. and go back inside. Yeah. So they gave me my passport. But do you know what happened? I found out like maybe a month later, they went to the house that I was staying in, sure in, the, in the UK, to be sure that I had left. <laughs> like, I, it wasn't something that I was expecting. So you can imagine if I had gone through, so even with their, with their carefulness, Sabi, that said, okay, you give me the passports yeah. inside. They were saying that maybe this girl can still find a way to get back inside. And so they still had to make sure to me to be sure that like I have actually gone back to Nigeria. So that's to tell you that these people, they are not playing. Like, they are not playing around. So it's better to just, if you are not able to stay for as long as you want, just leave, come back and figure out another way to get in. Because if you kind of like allow yourself to get in, wrapped up in like, you know, their legal, their immigration system, they can put you and then chances of coming back again and maybe even go to the country and be slim. Yeah. So slim just man. always try and do things the right way. Don't exceed your hours. Some people they can they can also get in trouble for that kind of thing. So that's the kind of advice I would give. Just try and do things the right way. That's the best thing. Yeah. What about you? I mean, to be to be fair, well, I, it, for starters, I wouldn't advise anyone to go to the UK. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly wouldn't. Yeah, I don't yeah. I don't think the UK is a friendly country to immigrants. I think they're just the best to PR for it. Like their public perception is crazy. Mm. You know, these are the same people in the news openly talking about reducing dependence because of, you know, they claim they can't afford the social mm-hmm. uh, care. Whereas a lot of immigrants are adding paying taxes yeah, and all of that. It's it's a very dicey place. I wouldn't advise anybody to go there, not even for school anymore. Mm. I don't think it's worth it. I think the the billions of pounds they get in school fees is what is subsidizing their economy. Yeah. Right. And they're very clear about that. It's just that you have to look and notice it. I think 
what I will advise for somebody that has decided to go is um, choose a relevant course, right? Like the world has changed. A lot of courses are not relevant anymore. So choose a relevant course that can that has um, prospects post-graduation. Mm-hmm. I already mentioned about the whole thing with um, loneliness. So that is true. You need a good network. Yeah. You need good people around you. You need resilience as well. And then start applying for jobs early. Yeah, very like early. very early, probably from the yeah, moment you land, like from the moment you know that you want to go to the UK, start applying mm-hmm. for jobs, and then also be open towards um internships and things that would probably you would probably say you're more qualified for. Yeah, right. And um, I would say what else would I say? Yeah, and then also try and go to a city that is relevant, right? So the mm. thing is. A lot of the time, people are looking at it from, oh, I just want to leave the country. I just want to leave the country. But the same way you will find somebody from Benin Republic, he wouldn't just go to Zamfara, right? He will come to Lagos because opportunities. I think people should also be very intentional about where they go for schooling in the UK because some places there's just no prospect after. There's no point stressing yourself. Then the the cost of moving to the relevant city after might be high. So try and go to a school that is relevant or a city that is relevant, you know, and um, try and save up, try and work during school if you can. Mm-hmm. It's not easy, but try and do that if you can. Mm-hmm. And I think that's it. And if all fails, marry, marry a British citizen. <laughs> Abina. Abina. If, if all fails, legit, just marry one because yeah. um, in fairness, so when I was living in the UK, I had some guys that were D-masters together, Nigerians. That was the route that they went through. And lo and behold, they are still there. Although, but don't do fraud. Yeah, no, no, I'm not even talking about Yeah, fraud. no, I understand. Yeah. I'm just saying don't do fraud. These people, these people are still there with kids. But <laughs> they are still there. <laughs> right? So depending <laughs> on what your goal is as a Nigerian, last, last, you can marry somebody. And just to add something to what Isaac had said, yeah. when he said relevant city, like, I agree with that, but I also would just advise that don't overextend yourself. Like, for example, living in London is extremely expensive. expensive if, you are, if you have the, the finances to be able to back it up. Mm. But in, in instead of maybe moving to London, if you don't have the funds, you can go to somewhere close to London. London yeah. That might not be like, as expensive and you can be able to afford so or somewhere close to manchester or somewhere close to birmingham like don't like now go and overdo because like okay you want to you still want to kind of live okay and comfortable life yes so that's what i'll just add to that yeah i think that makes sense i think most of the things you'll say i can also relate to how that applies to a country like germany because mm-hmm. it's easy to get student job in certain city and you may not be able to get that in some other mm-hmm. cities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there are cities that you can easily find people who speak English and you go to the other city, there are fewer people who speak English and all of those things. And those are things that kind of help in terms of the job experiences. And as you mentioned something about school, um, choosing the right program. Yeah. A certain programs may not really be the best because, like, let's take for instance here in Germany. I've noticed that people who do sales, I work in the healthcare. I'm from what I've seen now in the healthcare industry, rather, I've seen that most people who do sales are people who studied health related courses or at least biology. So it's yeah. like there's no course you study to go and do sales. So even though I'm studying marketing, some of the people that I work with don't have any marketing experience or rather studies. It's just that they did 
something related to the healthcare industry and they're working in the healthcare industry in the sales department or in the marketing right. department or in the communication department. Yeah. Uh, in retrospect, I don't think I regret it because I mean, I, BSC is also it was in communication and all of that. But I'm just, I, it's, I, I'm kind of more open to the fact that there's opportunities I may have not, I may not have access to because all I did was, all my background is communication. And yeah. communication as interest as as an important skill as it is, is also something that anybody can be good at with or without studying it. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think, and like in a country like Germany, I'm learning, which I didn't know before I go here, that certain industries are easier to get a job, which is one I was talking about. Maybe you got more right. because you studied engineering, which is not what um, Dolly studied. Because here, yeah. if you study engineering, it's almost very easy to find a job because yeah. it's a very um, industrialized country. There are a lot of, in, they, need, they are in need of engineers. If you have some tech skills, it's also kind of gives you an edge. And yeah. these are some things you may not know before you travel, except you really, really, really look for them. True. So I think basically it's, I'm agreeing to what of the, some of the things you all have said. And I think it's totally makes sense, even outside of the UK to be careful about the choice of city, the choice of program and some of the things you've mentioned. So Dol, do you want to talk more about your, um, sorry, I'm trying to remember, the sex, um, something, something that you are working on, I don't know. Oh, okay. Um, I have like, um, I, as I mentioned on the pod, um, and I've mentioned a few times, I had, or I've, I had, I have struggled with um, porn addiction and so, I started a group recently um, for people that are struggling with porn addiction and are kind kind of like trying to be sober. Um, so it's just a community for us to just support each other and things like that. So um, I, I haven't like I don't make the link public, um, but eventually I will. But um, as of now, if anybody just really has any struggles with that, I always just say that they should send me. A DM at dolly.writes, you know, um on Instagram. Um, just in case they're interested in being a part of a group that will support them. So yeah, that's pretty much it. All right. Thank you very much. So where can you be found? I think Dolly has mentioned his her IG. So Isaac, yeah. do you also want to be found in case someone wants to reach out? I love that first part. Do I want to be found? <laughs> um, yeah, recently I realized I do want to be found. So uh, Isaac Kanye underscore on all platforms. Mm-hmm. That's where you can find One of your YouTube. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same. Okay. So Isaac Kanye, that's the brand actually. So you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, um, TikTok. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's where you can find me. All right. If you do want to find me. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much for joining. I really appreciate you for your time. Yes, thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you for having us. We appreciate you. Thank you for joining today's episode of the podcast. I really appreciate it. And I hope you learned one or two things. Please follow on Instagram and Twitter and like, subscribe to Jabba Podcast on your preferred podcast streaming platform. Do enjoy the rest of your day. Bye.